prior to moving back to Kansas, we lived in Oakland for a while, just down the road from you guys. Lived in an older house, had an old furnace, and the furnace required a lot of repair, and it seems like we were always having trouble with that furnace. Kind of scared me a little bit. And so they were still relatively new at the time, but I went out and bought a carbon monoxide detector, thinking that would be a good idea to have one of those. And I didn't know where to put it. I put it in the basement next to the furnace, which turns out is not a great place to put one. But it seemed like the logical place to put it at the time. One morning, we woke up to the sound of an alarm going off somewhere in the house. And I got up and I walked all through the house. I couldn't find it. I opened up the basement door and it got louder. So I went down there and the carbon monoxide detector was going off. So I shut it off. We opened up some windows, opened up the doors and kind of did an assessment. and Everything seemed fine. Megan was very little at the time, maybe just kindergarten or first grade. And it's time to wake her up. Her room was right over the furnace. And so we woke her up for school and she swung her feet out of bed, stood up and said, ow! What's what's wrong? She said, my head hurts. We immediately figured something was wrong. So I called a furnace repair guy. And he came and looked it over and after he had checked everything, he said, you've got a little problem. He said, it's uh, the flue has gotten dirty and it needs to be cleaned out and that's what caused the backup. So you got a little carbon monoxide problem. And I said, oh, thank goodness. It's just a little problem. We'll call you when it becomes a big problem. Thanks. I didn't really do that. You don't do that. You take care of little problems. If there's a little carbon monoxide problem, you you take care of it before it becomes a, a big problem. You don't mess around with it because a little carbon monoxide will kill you. You take care of it while it's a little problem. You you clean it. You get rid of it. You fix it, right? We understand that when it comes to life-threatening problems. Little carbon monoxide. Little high blood pressure. Little bit of cancer. A little heart problem. We, We take those things seriously. Do we take soul threatening problems as seriously? as that? Do we treat problems that threaten our eternal life the way we would treat problems that threaten our physical life? It's just a little sin. It's just a little a little disobedience. It's, it's just a little hypocrisy. Is that serious to us or do we treat it as a joke? Do we just laugh it off and say, well, that's the way He is. <laughs> you know, you're never going to change we take care of it? Do we address it? Or do we just hope it goes away and doesn't get any worse? In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus calls His disciples together and He says to them, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And He compares hypocrisy to, to yeast. You know, yeast is, is tiny. It is these fine little grains of yeast. It's like dust. And yet, when yeast is allowed to nurture, when it is fed, it, it grows and it changes. And instead of a, a little bit of yeast, you suddenly have a lot. And once it's nurtured, once the bread has risen, the dough has risen, 
You can't say, you know what? I think I'd rather not have yeast in there. Can you go back and take the yeast back out? You can't do that. It's changed the dough. It's changed its makeup. It's changed its structure. It can't be removed. And the warning about hypocrisy is clear. Once it's been allowed to nurture, it changes us. It changes our makeup. It changes the makeup of our fellowship, of our church. And at some point, it just simply can't be removed. We're going to look at Luke chapter 12, verses 1-3 through today. If you're following along in the Bibles, I always encourage you to follow along. If you don't bring a Bible with you, or if you're not connected to our... Uh, I've got a lot of notes today for those of you who bring your tablets and your phones with you and connect using the Bible app. There are a lot of notes, especially for you guys. Uh, but it's on page 871, Luke chapter 12. We're also going to be looking at some other Scriptures too, so get a finger wet. You need to use it. And let me tell you, this, this is a hard teaching. You know, this is, this is tough stuff. And we know it's hard because the disciples didn't get it. You know, when, there's a parallel passage in Matthew where Matthew tells them, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And, and the disciples get together after he says that, and they're like, what? what's he talking about? And then one of them says, it's because we forgot to bring bread. That's why he's upset. It's not about bread. He's talking about the, the hypocrisy of the, of the Pharisees. They missed the point. There's a chance we might miss the point as well. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. Verse 1 starts off, in the meantime, well, let's hold on right there. In the meantime, in what time? What's the meantime? What, what, what else is happening at this time that Luke calls this the meantime? If you back up to verse 53 of Luke chapter 11, Luke 11.53 says, as he went away, that says Jesus went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. So that's what's happening. Luke 12.1 begins, well, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, he speaks this, not to the many thousands, but to the committed, to the disciples first. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And then he goes on and says this. Look at verse, verse 4. Go on. He says, I tell you, my friends, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after have nothing more that they can do. What were the Pharisees trying to do to him? They were trying to taunt him and press him to say something so they could kill him. He says, don't fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has, killed, he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. But are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, well, even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. You hear that in verse 7? You are valuable to God. Don't, don't ever forget that. Don't let your conviction 
of sin. Don't let your hypocrisy cause you to forget that you yourself or someone else that you know is of value to God. You see, that's one of the problems with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy devalues the community that God has built. We live in this really weird time today. We live in a, in a very strange time where it seems that people are very eager to admit that they are hypocrites. Yeah, you, you hear it every now and then. And maybe you've said it. I've, I've said it before. Someone will say, I don't want to go to church. Just a bunch of hypocrites there. And the average Christian today responds with, absolutely, I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Come and join us. You'll fit right in. You know, that's, that's kind of our approach. Yeah, we're all hypocrites. That's, that's why we're here, because we are hypocrites. And, and while I appreciate the honesty, I wonder if we've, we've missed the point. I wonder if we don't really understand the seriousness of hypocrisy and, and what it really is. You know, the, the word hypocrite itself, it wasn't a, a bad word. It was the word hypocrite is it's a word that, that describes an actor. It's an actor who, who wears a mask to hide his true identity. And, and as it's, you know, that, that in itself isn't a problem. If I'm an actor that wears a mask and that's how the Greek plays would be carried out, you know, in the Romans, they had their theater masks. And, you know, the, in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. That's what an actor is supposed to do. An actor is supposed to wear a mask. But as it's applied to my character, we suddenly have a problem. Because if I am showing you this mask, and I'm showing God this mask, then I'm not presenting myself the way I, I really am. And, and we have a problem if I'm approaching God with one and other people with another. So let me give you a definition of hypocrisy that you've probably not considered before. Let me give you a definition of hypocrisy that you, you may not have considered. Hypocrisy is attempting to link your heart to God while not connecting to your fellow man. Hypocrisy is attempting to, to, to link your heart to God. I want to connect to God. I want to know God. But that guy over there, I don't want to know him. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't want that guy in my life. That is hypocrisy. And that may be a little different than what you've heard before, it may be a little different than what you're comfortable with, but just go with me here with this for a moment. I, I think sometimes we think hypocrisy is like this. Last night I, I had to be somewhere, and uh, I realized way too late that I needed to be there, and I suddenly jumped up, and Trish could tell you, I was like, I've got to leave now, and I took off, and I drove to the place I had to be, and I know the speed limit says 55, but I went a little lot over that and I still I, I was still late one minute late started out I was gonna be 10 minutes late but you know I got I, got, I did I did pretty good so so if I tell my kids you don't speed but then I speed that's hypocrisy right right that's that's what being a, a hypocrite is is all about or you know if 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 I um if, I, if I'm driving through the Walmart parking lot and there's that really slow person who can't decide if they're going to back out or if they're going to camp out, you know, they're just going to stay there the rest of the day and they're in my way and I, I think some bad things about those people sometimes. Now, I'm not supposed to do that, but I do. That's hypocrisy, right? I think that's what we 
want to admit as hypocrisy. But those aren't the things that Jesus addressed as hypocrisy. When Jesus addressed hypocrisy, when Paul addressed hypocrisy, when when James addressed hypocrisy, when hypocrisy is addressed in the Bible, it's not about rule-keeping, it's about relationships. It's not about I broke the rules, it's about I've broken this relationship. So when Jesus addresses people and He says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when there is a log in your own eye? He says, you hypocrite. Now is that about rule-keeping or is that about relationships? About relationship, right? Nod with me. Just make sure you're with me. Okay, great. Don't nod too much. You know. So, so then, Paul in, in Galatians, Paul confronts Peter because they're at the church in Antioch and, and Peter was really having a good time. There were Gentiles and there were Jews and they were probably eating bacon and ham and stuff like that, you know, and and these Jews are now with the Gentiles, and they're, they're really living it up. They're enjoying this. But when some men of influence came from, came from Jesus' brother James, they came from Jerusalem, Peter separated himself from the Gentiles, and he would only eat with the Jews. He no longer associated with these people over here. And Paul called him a hypocrite. Was that about rule-keeping, or was that about relationships? It's about relationships. Hypocrisy is attempting to link my heart to the heart of God while not connecting to someone else. For example, if you've come here today for communion, because in the act of taking the bread and taking the cup, you know that you will encounter Christ. We know that there is the promise that you will encounter Christ. This is my body. This is my blood. And if you come here today for communion to encounter Christ, and yet there is someone in this room who you will not speak to. That's hypocrisy. Okay? That's hypocrisy. If you're praying to God about your own problems and expecting Him to hear you, and at the same time you're gossiping to someone else about, their, about someone else's problems, that's hypocrisy, as, as the Bible defines it. That's hypocrisy. If you're complaining because there's someone who ought to be here who's not, they ought, they ought to know that they ought to be in church. They ought to know that they ought to come to worship. They ought to be here. And you're complaining that that person should be here, but they're not. But you haven't gone to them and ministered to them and blessed them. That's hypocrisy, as we see it in the biblical definition. I think we all see the guilt. I hope we all feel the conviction. But let me just back up and ask this. What's the big deal with yeast? What's, what's the deal with leaven? Why, why does Jesus say, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy? Well, Leaven, yeast, was an important symbol to the Jewish community. Yeast symbolized sin. It symbolized disobedience. They saw it as they saw it as insidious. Do you know what insidious means? Insidious means it starts out as something small. It's insignificant. It doesn't look like a big deal. But before you know it, it's taken over and it has changed everything. It's this evil that just kind of works in you little by little until finally it has completely consumed you. There was a, there was a festival that the Jewish people had. It was called the festival, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
Do you remember Passover, right? Passover, you you kill the lamb, you have the dinner, you take the blood, right? And you wipe the blood over the doorposts and over the, the, the top of the door and the angel of death passes over your house and everybody inside your house is safe, right? Well, the night after Passover began the seven day feast. Seven days, the feast of unleavened bread. Let me give you a little background on that. This is from Exodus chapter 12 where it's first instituted. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14, God says, This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Seven days. Unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly. And on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt, Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your house. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in your dwelling places you shall, eat, you shall eat unleavened bread. Did you hear that in verse 19? He says, if anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Oh, come on, it's being a little harsh, isn't it? He's a, you know, that, that's a good guy. Why, why would, you, know, you know, Moses, he tithes. And he tithes pretty good. I think we should just overlook this. <laughs> I think we should just turn a blind eye and, and allow them to keep their leaven. That's, that's not what they did. And it's not about the yeast. It's about obedience to God and what the leaven represented. It represented the presence of sin. And so Jesus, in that historic context, in that social context, Jesus says, you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. It devalues the community that God has built. It says, hypocrisy says, who I am and what I have is more important than the rest of you. And that's wrong. Hypocrisy negates the work of God in our lives and in the lives of others. It negates the work of God in our lives and the the lives of others. Preparing for the Feast of Unleavened Bread was hard work. I mean, it was difficult. You had to clean your house from top to bottom. And there's some of us right there. We're not going to be welcome to that feast, right? You had to completely clean your house from top to bottom. And it was just a lot of work. Now, you guys, you guys are used to seeing yeast like this, right? I mean, this is yeast. This comes in a little packet, or you buy a jar, and it's in your fridge, and so you've got... You've got a little bit. That's not the way yeast was in the ancient world. Yeast was dust, and it didn't come in little packets. It was everywhere. It was, it was all over the place. And, and when you're talking about clean all the yeast out of your house, 
and you live in a house with dirt floors and dirt walls, how hard is that going to be? And people brought it in. You, you brought it in. It came in on your clothes. came in on your shoes. Came in, it came in in your hair. It was yeast in their hair. It, it came in on your food. And so the, this prospect of cleaning all of the yeast, it, it, it was very, very difficult. It was like dust. You know, when, when they did, you know, when they weren't celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they did eat you know, bread that was allowed to rise, you know, bread that tasted good, when they ate it like that, you know how they got yeast? They would take grape leaves. Because grape leaves have little hairs on them, right? And so they would wipe the table down with grape leaves. And they would wipe the walls down. They would wipe their hair and their clothes with grape leaves. And some of that dust that got stuck on the grape leaves, some of it was yeast. And so then they would put that over the bread and they would work it in and they would nurture that yeast. That's how they gathered yeast because they couldn't go down to the store and buy a, one of those little packets of Fleischmann's. So the prospect of removing all the yeast from your house, it was difficult. It was meticulous work. And Jesus takes that, which to their culture was a very real act of devotion to God, and He applies it to the hypocrisy that invades our lives. So often it just seems like something so small in someone's life, that it's, it's hardly worth thinking about. It's hardly worth mentioning. It's just it's a little bad attitude. That's all. It's just a little bad attitude or it's a little hurt feeling here or there and we ignore it. We, we try to overlook it. But the thing about yeast is you can cultivate yeast by accident. Right? You can cultivate yeast by accident with no effort at all it can start to grow. All it needs is a little time, a warm place to, to feel welcome. It gets in the air, it gets on the food, it gets warm, and you never intended for it to grow. You never intended for it to change the structure of the, of the bread, but it does. And he says hypocrisy is like that. You never intended for it to change the relationship that you got. You never intended for it to change the fellowship, to change, to change the community, but it does. Our relationship with each other, our, our community, our church, God put this together. And each one of us is, has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Each one of us has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we come together as one. That's why Paul is able to say to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. But, but a little bit of hypocrisy sprinkled into the mix of that changes that. It changes the structure. It changes the relationship. And it negates what God has given His Son to build. What God has, has put together here. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is all new to you guys, so stick with me here. Let me explain it a little bit more. Exodus chapter 12 is where we read earlier. Exodus chapter 13 goes on and explains the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread just a little bit more. Exodus 13, verses 3 through 10. It says, Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you from this place. No unleavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, 
and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen within you, and no leaven shall be seen within your territory. You shall tell your son on that day. When you explain to your kids why the bread tastes so bad for seven days, you explain to your kids, you will say to your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. With a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute as an, at an appointed time from year to year. You shall tell your kids, it is because of what the Lord did for me. You see, that's why the hypocrisy in my life needs to be cleansed. Because it keeps me from telling what the Lord has done for me. Because the Lord has saved me. He has saved you. He has brought us together. And to, to, to make one church out of all of us. To make one body out of all of us. So how dare I let something that seems small, something that seems petty, something that seems so insignificant I don't want to address it, I don't want to talk about it, how dare I let that stand in the way of this fellowship? How could I ever allow something within myself to negate what God has done for us all? That's the tragedy. That is the tragedy of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy keeps us from celebrating God's victory in our lives. This Feast of Unleavened Bread is a lot of work. You had to be careful to remove all the dust. You know, there was even stuff. It, you, you, would, you, would, you would sweep out you know, all the dust out of the house. And there was even stuff that, that wasn't yeast, but it kind of looked like yeast. You know, I can't be sure if that's yeast or not, and I've got to sweep that out too. And there's probably a lesson in that about hypocrisy. There may be things in our lives that they're not hypocrisy, but they kind of look like hypocrisy. And maybe those need to be addressed. I'll save that for another time. Just chew on that one for a little while. Think about that one just for a little while. It's a lot of work. But in the end, don't forget this. It was still a feast. It was still a party. It may have been a lot of work, but it commemorated the incredible act of God saving His people from slavery. It was still a celebration. And the danger was the danger was for those who wouldn't do the work of removing the leaven. They, they didn't get to celebrate. They didn't get to participate with the community. They didn't get to participate with their families. So Jesus says, beware the yeast, the, the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Attempting to link your heart to God's heart while avoiding connecting to someone else. If I'm not willing to address my hypocrisy, I cannot connect to God. And therefore, I have nothing to celebrate. Now, I want you to hear this. Though. You have been very patient with me and have listened very, very carefully, and I really appreciate that. The last thing I want you to be thinking right now is, man, I blew it. <laughs> 
Last thing I want you thinking right now is, I blew it. Why do I even bother trying? I am done for because I know that I have this hypocrisy. I know that I am a a huge hypocrite. This is hard stuff. This is serious stuff, and I hope it's convicting stuff. I mean, I've had to, you just have to listen to it right now. I've had to listen to it all week long. It has convicted me all week long. But you have to know there is, there is still grace in this. The Feast of Unleavened Bread began the evening after Passover. You remember Passover? You kill the lamb, you take the blood, you put the blood over the doorpost, you put the blood on the sides of the door, and the angel of death passes over your house and your family is safe. You are safe. You have been saved by the blood of the lamb. Passover happened first, and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where you got rid of all of the leaven, all the sin, all the hypocrisy. That came afterwards. So, so let's, say, let's say that you, you have your Passover meal with your family, and then the next day you're getting ready for unle- the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and you know, I forgot to sweep in that corner, and oh, that looks like yeast over there. I can't, I can't eat the feast. Does that negate the Passover lamb? Passover lamb was still killed. Blood was still spread over your doorpost. The Passover lamb is, is still, has still been sacrificed. Who's your Passover lamb? You can answer this part. Who's your Passover lamb? Jesus. Amen? Get just a little Baptist for me right now. Amen? Amen. Jesus is your Passover lamb. So does your hypocrisy suddenly make Jesus' sacrifice not work? <laughs> No, no. The Passover lamb has still been sacrificed. Your hypocrisy does not negate the sacrifice of Jesus. It does not negate the salvation that He has offered you. But what you will discover is you cannot hold on to your hypocrisy and hold on to that sacrifice at the same time. They are incompatible. You can't hold on to your hypocrisy and celebrate what Jesus has done at the same time. They are incompatible. Now, Paul addresses this. One more Scripture, I promise. That's it. Okay, maybe two. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul addresses this very thing. He addresses this very issue in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says in verses 6 and 7, he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of yeast, it leavens that whole lump of dough. And he says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. (laughs) I love that. God wants me to be a new lump. He doesn't mind that I'm a lump as long as I'm a new lump. Thanks, God. Anyway, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Did you hear that? He says, you really are unleavened. You you really are. That is who you are. You are clean. So what's the problem? My hypocrisy is the problem. My hypocrisy keeps me from living like I'm clean. It keeps me from seeing that I'm clean. And even worse, it keeps me from seeing that you're clean. It keeps me from seeing what Christ has done in your life. But Christ, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. What did He say on the cross? It is. It's finished. It's done. The sacrifice has been made. And so Paul goes on in verse 8. 
And he says, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let us celebrate, not with the old leaven of malice and evil. Those things don't belong in our community. Malice and evil? We're trying to be the body of Christ and I'm thinking maliciously or, or, or evil things about other people or saying or doing malicious things? No. That's the yeast that infects our community. Clean it out. Clean it out of your hearts. And when we do, we can come together and we can celebrate with sincerity and truth. Verse 7, Jesus says, Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. You are more valuable than, than many sparrows. How valuable? You are so valuable that God sacrificed His Son to be your Passover lamb so that you could be saved, so that you could live. So God's solution to your hypocrisy is Jesus. You need to honor that. You need to clean that stuff out of your life you need to get rid of it so we can celebrate together. Now the rabbis, to try to make the Feast of Unleavened Bread a little bit easier, the rabbis had a unique solution. Okay, They came up with something to help. Because you see, the, the enemy of the, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the enemy is two things. First of all, it's yeast. right? You can't have any yeast in the house. But the other enemy is time. Okay, So if we cook fast... If we do this quick, the yeast won't have time to interact with our food and we'll be safe. So, some rabbi, many, many years ago, came up with the matzo. This is what Jesus would have used the night before he was crucified when he celebrated the, the supper with his, with his friends. They would have used the matzo. This is what Jesus broke and said, this is my body. Take and eat this. So the, the rabbis came up with this. Some rabbi had a, had a cookbook. So here's what they do with the matzo. First of all, the matzo is pounded thin. I mean, it is rolled thin. You roll it as thin as you possibly can. Secondly, it has little holes in it. Can you see the little holes? They pierce it over and over again. That lets the air get through, right? You, you know how that works? You know, the air gets through there, so the matzo cooks quicker. They also score it, which leaves it looking... This one's pretty good. You see the little dark spots? It leaves it looking bruised. Their solution to the feast, to the problem of leaven, was the matzo. This will cook in... You can cook these in 18 minutes, and they're done. That's, that's how long it takes. What they didn't know was that they had provided a very real symbol and sign of God's solution to sin. Matzo is crushed. The matzo is pierced. The matzo is bruised. Isaiah 53.5 says of Jesus, 600 years before His crucifixion, mind you, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. God's solution to
my hypocrisy and your hypocrisy is not my effort. It's not your effort. God provided for you and me what our effort never could. Why would you let anything stand in the way of that? Why would you let any hypocrisy stand in the way of that? I don't know what's infected your life. I don't know what's keeping you from a relationship with anyone else, whether they're in this room or not in this room. All I can tell you is lay it down, put it away, clean it out, and come and celebrate.